I am unashamed. What about you? Hey Siri, do you duck hunt? Sorry, I can't do that. Oh yeah, you can. <laughs> Suck it up. Well, Dad's still fussing with that woman well, that knows everything. Up. Yeah, I had one before right beside my bed, but she run out of. I can't. I can't help you this morning. Wake you up at five thirty. I said, "Get out of here. Get get it. Tear it down." <laughs> they unplugged everything. Throw it outside. Somebody got it. Hey Siri, do Black Panthers exist? Here's an answer from NedHardy.com. A black panther is a real animal. However, it is a melanistic version of any animal in the Panthera family like jaguars, cougars, and leopards. However, it isn't its own species. There you go. Ask her, does she know who Jesus is? You know who Jesus is? Hey, Siri, who is Jesus? Here's what I found. Hmm. What'd she say? We interrupted her. No, she said, here's what I found. Jesus is referred to as Jesus Christ, Jesus of Nazareth, and several other names and titles. He was a first-century Jewish preacher and religious leader. Does it say the Son of God? Nope. Hmm. She missed he's the Savior of the world. Yeah, she's out. Call her. Get somebody <laughs> else in there. Hey, Siri, <laughs> who is Phil Robertson? From Thessinamaholic.com, Phil Alexander Robertson is an American professional hunter, businessman, and reality television star. Do what? <laughs> <laughs> Hey, Siri, have you seen the movie about Phil Robertson, The Blind? Here's what I found. Oh, she just listed a bunch of uh, stuff that Zach probably put on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> Zach, you, you, you're heading up the race, son. <laughs> uh, I, uh... By the way, I looked, uh, I looked at... Uh, the newspaper, somebody sent them down here, and I'm on the front page <laughs> of the newspaper. Well, congratulations. Are, they, are well, we still doing newspapers? I, I said, when are they Did you get find? arrested? <laughs> I hadn't seen a newspaper in years. I have to hear what years. that woman said there. She, she, she had it all down. She did. <laughs> no, that exchange was... started, I don't know when we started filming this, because all of a sudden my phone started talking to me. And Phil said, who is that? I said, well, that's Siri. He said, who is Siri? And I said, well, that's Alexa's cousin. And he said, oh, they know uh, stuff. Yeah. They're related. He knows all about that. Dad calls her the woman who knows everything. Mm-hmm. She knew who Dad was. That's pretty impressive. Well, she did she know was... Jesus. We started with the question of who is Jesus, and they want they did not say the she didn't say the Son of God. So she no, she said right. Jesus of Nazareth. Uh, no, the, uh, we asked her who Jesus was, and she left off that one important part: the Son of God. So I was in Mississippi filming last week, and are you leaving us, Phil? Yeah, but I'll be back. Okay, I'll tell <laughs> you the story while Phil's getting some coffee. <laughs> Uh, this is what we call a casual cold open. So so I was in Mississippi, and I met this woman. She's 75 years old, and we filmed in her front yard, and she has a bed and breakfast, and she that's what she does. She hosts people. And I, I'm, I'm not embellishing this. You know, I have a reputation for em, embellishing a story every once in a while. A well-earned, a well-earned. This reputation. woman was the most hospitable woman. And just a plethora of knowledge about everything. She was like a walking encyclopedia. 
but the meals that I ate were incredible. I mean, incredible. This Every, woman cooked them? She cooked them. And, and I spent most of the time, she loved to like have you sit at the table because it was me and Jeff, you know, and Murray. And she, she, she wanted to like pamper us and, and spoil us and way more like desserts than you could possibly eat. But everything I ate was absolutely fantastic. So she cooked one night pork chops and guess how she did it the exact way that we've been doing it which is the only way i've ever eaten them that way is down here at your house until i I was there so she browned them quick fried them you know put them in the oven because i just started eating in the kitchen because i wanted to watch everything she was making so the next next night well with, with that she had mashed potatoes and gravy and her gravy was better but she wouldn't let me watch that. She's like, no, there's some things I just can't reveal. We've got right now coming down the pipe, uh, it, it's uh, it's blue wing teal meatballs. No, we talked about that. But <laughs> you, did you ever give the recipe? He didn't give you the recipe? No, he won't give it to you. Well, that's what I'm saying. Well, the next night she made... Uh, Meatloaf, which look, I've never eaten a meatloaf that didn't make me gag. Besides, mom's. Well, you, and, yesterday Miss uh, made one, and it was the finest thing I've put in my well, mouth. Well, this on. was a little different, but it was as good as I've ever tasted. It was just, and what occurred to me after forty-eight hours of this, besides the fact that I gained probably ten pounds, was that. <laughs> It's such a lost art in our culture yep. of being hospitable. Yeah, I no mean, question. this this woman was just a she's a believer. She was just kind, gentle, informational, and the food just it just kept coming. And I just thought this woman. I mean, forget where you, where you're at, bed and breakfast. It was just the experience of having somebody who has the gift of hospitality. It, yep. made, it made me think from a spiritual standpoint. And I was really trying to encourage her because I was like, here you are, 75, working as hard as anybody I've ever seen, but using this to make the world a better place through what what her platform is, is the gift of hospitality. So yeah. she, you know, she has people from all over the world come oh. and stay here. And guess what? They're not coming because it's an old house and it's a cool place. I mean, it's in Mississippi somewhere. But it, I, I told them, I said, they're coming for you because you're amazing they're and you're awesome. For, they're coming for the grub. And that grub. Oh, my goodness. Mm. So watch that episode <laughs> when it comes out and find your way. I'm sure they'll promote that wherever we were at. But uh, so that'll probably be, you know, two years from now. But was she actually on the episode, Jace? Or oh, yeah. She was fantastic. On Look, you, you know what just good. made me happy, though, is like we have people on there and, and they do their best, the best they can. But, you know, it's so funny, right before we started filming, she said, well, nobody's told me what I'm supposed to say. And I said, well, they're not going to tell you. I want you to say whatever (laughs) you want to say. We're just going to act like they're not there. And she said, well, I think I can do that. And Mm -hmm. so uh, she was fantastic on camera just because she she, she didn't care. You know, she yeah, she's fantastic. So I wanted to share that. And, and by the way, I, I drank something I had never tasted before, 
and I thought it was fantastic. She said, I fixed you an Arnold Palmer. And I thought, I, mm. look, I'm not a drinker. I, I started going. I didn't know what an Ar- Arnold Palmer was. And she you said, You know who Arnold Palmer is. I, you just yeah, didn't know I said, what the I knew, drink was. Yeah, yeah I said, I'm not a big drinker. I thought it was some <laughs> alcohol drink, you know. And no, it's unsweet tea with it's homemade lemonade. lemonade. Yep. Is it unsweet tea? It's unsweet yeah. tea. With because the lemonade, lemonade is the sweet. That's part. right. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was fantastic. It was. Yeah, it's good. What's the uh, Chick Fil A has something similar? I think they. I don't know if they call it an Arnold Palmer, but they do serve it. A mix of. Is of it tea called a uh, something Dreamsicle or? What is that called? <laughs> my kid ordered you it just the other wake day. Up? Well, my kid ordered it, and I was like, "What is that?" He said, "It's half tea, half lemonade." I said, "That's called an Arnold Arnold Palmer." He said, no, it's, but that's not what he ordered. It's a. Uh, huh. I'm sure someone can look that up. Somebody it. look it so, up. Somebody knows the answer to that. So did, I'm just comment. guessing that she probably didn't say this, Jace, but did, do we did Arnold Palmer like? Combining lemonade and tea is that where this is that why they named the drink after him or do we know that she went through the story and uh, but I had a producer whispering in my ear about five minutes into it and so I, I missed the end of it but uh, you know cause she she can talk now <laughs> and so you said she was a walking encyclopedia oh my already so. I mean she knew more about she history didn't, she yeah. didn't ever run out of words never ran out of material. You know, so I feel kind well, of that, bad. Jace, I, we say that about you, that you just found your uh, alter ego in this woman in Mississippi because you don't run out of stuff to talk she about. Is fan, she is fantastic. But uh, Sun Joy, it's called a Sun Joy. It's a, a refreshing combination of our classic Chick-fil-A lemonade and freshly brewed. A little difference here. Sweet and iced tea also available with combinations of Chick-fil-A diet lemonade or unsweet iced tea. Yeah. yeah, well, that's, that's what the you combination. want. It'd be too sweet otherwise. It's too yeah. sweet. Enjoy. So that's what I thought. Yeah. This wasn't that because I don't like sugar in my drinks. Me either. I, Me but either. Yeah. if I had to, I, I will say the Arnold Palmer was really good because oh. I, I like lemonade, and she, and she knew that we weren't big sugar drinkers, so she yeah. mm-hmm. she put less sugar in her lemonade than normal. So what it was was kind of a tart. Unsweet tea. Tart tea. Yeah. Like a yeah. tart, the tart watered down tea. I thought it was fantastic. So I do want to apologize so, for something. Every time I say something on here, you know, it we we move the needle. So that's on y'all, not not me. And I mean, unashamed nation. Because uh, now, you know, I see these coconut macaroons everywhere. Now grocery stores are hand making <laughs> them and baking them. Look, stop sending me coconut macaroons. If I eat what I have, <laughs> I literally will not be able to get through the door. They just keep pouring in from everywhere. So I'm like, okay. The other thing we need to shut down, which we did, y'all did, is I had I had made a comment. Evidently, I don't even remember this, but. I made a comment that a life-changing experience uh, for you at Chick-fil-A is to order well-done fries. Oh, they shut that down. Oh, they shut it down. They shut <laughs> it down. Because now too <laughs> many people nation, baby. got the memo <laughs> and all the Chick-fil-A's got held up because everybody's ordering well-done fries because I was right. They're 10 times better. And I'm not taking credit for that because Sadie is the one who yeah, told me. I can me. tell that by listening to you. You're not taking credit <laughs> yeah. for it. 
Well, look, look, we, well, hey, look, look, duck. Fa- this is what this is what you're responsible for, unashamed nation. Duck family treasure. Yep. The blind. The blind. And shutting down well done fries at Chick Fil A. <laughs> and so and if you ever and, wonder what if what have we accomplished? And the massive production of macaroons. Oh man, somebody out there making macaroons. yeah coconut macaroons is is buying an island off the coast. <laughs> Because of what happened. And the marketing guy's probably been promoted and he didn't do anything. We gotta you know what? That that brings that to the top of my attention. They they need to sponsor the podcast because they're getting all of this well good luck. It's free. Good luck. And look, it's even a step further. So I just got a box this a couple of weeks ago in the mail. It was actually at the church. And somebody sent me macaroons, and they said, well, I'm sure people are sending a lot of macaroons to Jace, and I feel bad for you, Al. So I'm going to sit. Don't let Jace have these macaroons. I actually told the – They uh, haven't come up and given me doodly squat. That's what I got out of it. Well, <laughs> oh, you got to well, get ready. You got to come up with world-changing ideas. Got to get a way to get my truck down in here or somebody's well, truck. Think of something. <laughs> but I told the showrunner, I said, if we could have filmed. I'm still waiting for the macaroons, but no. <laughs> All right, send trust me, I'll bring you some. Come to the gate, turn around and leave. I'll bring you some macaroons. I got plenty. But I told the showrunner, <laughs> if we could have filmed this, the explosion of the macaroons it, it's another tv idea because that that would have trickled down to so many places i'm sure and now you know i'm out in my front yard directing trucks bringing the macaroons yeah well that, dad you were talking about the uh, teal meatball so jersey joe was just down here with me for a few days he and christine came down and spent a few days and so he he did. He cooked uh, first night. He cooked. He cooked a couple of times. We kind of shared the cooking duties, but he uh, he cooked some boudin meatballs. Another invention of his. Yeah. Where he took boudin and I've mixed it in those. with they, his. They were wonderful too. Well, what was the boudin? Very good. I mean, boudin now is so general. Now, now people who are not from Louisiana, boudin is what we eat in Louisiana. How would you describe that? In a, well, it's kind of a, it's wow. a meat and rice sausage is what in, it is. In a, in, a, in a casing, like a sausage. In casing. a casing. It's a sausage. But what he does is he cuts the casing off the sausage. Hold on, Al. Siri, what is boudin? Here's what I found. Recipe, a pork and rice Cajun sausage is what she came up with. There you go. On our podcast, uh, we talk a lot about uh, eternal life insurance, and that's what the gospel is all about. But we also recognize, as long as we're living on this earth, uh, we want to try to provide for our families, uh, provide a safety net that can cover expenses. And uh, luckily, uh, we've got a group called Policy Genius that makes finding the right policy simple, uh, and they have a team of licensed experts Uh, They're going to help you to talk you through it and to figure out exactly what you need to do uh, to be able to get a good life insurance policy. Uh, Even if you already have a policy uh, through work, it may not be enough uh, to provide what your family needs. So with Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for a million dollars worth of coverage. Some options offer same day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams, which we love. Um, they know how valuable your time is, so they're going to help you 
uh, get all those life insurance quotes so that you can just uh, make a few clicks and find the lowest price. Uh, they have licensed award-winning agents who can help you find the best fit for your needs. So Policy Genius works for you, not the insurance companies. That means that they don't have an incentive to recommend one insurance over another so you can trust their guidance. Um, Policy Genius is for parents, caregivers, everyone else uh, who has people that depend on them. So they got thousands of five-star reviews. We want you to check them out. Your loved ones deserve a financial safety net. You deserve a smarter way to find and buy it. Head to policygenius.com slash fill, or you can click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com slash fill. So he takes it, he cuts the casing, Joe cuts the casing off the sausage, and then he just takes the middle part out and he mixes it in. All of his sausage, Dad, I, he wouldn't give me the exact recipe either because no. he's he's so he's so glad that you love the, the teal sausage. But what he does is he's mixing like his Italian sausage and his other things he does for a meatball in with whatever meat it is. That's why it's so good. So like that teal and he puts a little of his pork fat in there and, you know, yeah. makes it yep. into a delicious meatball. So yeah, it's, he the old, the same. It, it's the old uh, take a piece of duck and wrap it in bacon and jalapeno and cream cheese. Yeah. And cook. And you're like, man, that's how you cook duck. I'm like, that would be good with no matter what you put in there. <laughs> bacon, pretty much, pretty much the bacon, cream jalapeno and cream cheese, right? Made it. Yeah. You lost me. You got me. You got me at bacon. That's exactly right. So, yeah, so Joe cooked for us. Last night he cooked us a big spread. His last night here he cooked us a big uh, Italian stuffed chicken, and he made some uh, homemade fettuccine and Alfredo sauce. Yeah, he had the red, Very good. The red sauce. He had the red. Now he doesn't call it sauce. you got to call it gravy. It's red yeah. gravy is what he calls it. But, yeah, Joe's a tremendous cook. So he was on the podcast, Zach. I don't think you were on that episode. And uh, and Pete, and uh, Unashamed Nation loves Jersey Joe, so – some point we'll have to have him come. We didn't talk that much about cooking last time, but we'll I wouldn't let him on unless he gives up that recipe for the sauce. <laughs> I think well, there you go. Agree with that. What what is up with this hidden I recipe? Mean, I mean, they're very guarded. He got it from his grandmother, and he said, and I said, I need to get that recipe. He said, No, 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 no. Well, there's nothing that's concealed that won't. No be more with- unashamed nation until we get that recipe. Unless he's on the premises, he's there, you know, to monitor. Uh, but but no no giving out the secrets. Well, I'm trying to quote a verse here. Everything will be laid bare. What is that verse? Hebrews for everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of Him to whom we must give account. So at some point, why are we hiding this stuff? If if you're a believer, and we're all going to heaven <laughs> together. And Jesus had the infamous, uh-huh. I'm eating fish on the creek bank post-resurrection. I mean, do you, are you going to are you gonna go to heaven and say, yep, I'm going to go on one condition. No rep- recipes will be revealed because we're going to spend way more time in heaven than we are on earth. I'm not, I don't get and this. We're, right. and, and we're family. I mean, this is a family recipe. Are we not all family covered by the blood of Jesus? There you go. His entire like family left New Jersey. In the middle of the night, and they all came to Louisiana down here, and now he lives here, and we're still feeding off of them meatballs. 
<laughs> Which we don't have a recipe. Great. I'm not sure it was. I'm not sure it was. If Jersey Joe's listening, which I know he's going to listen to this, we're not. Oh, he's going to kind of guilt trip you. This is this. We're not. There's <laughs> well, no guilt it. here. If you own no, a Jay, restaurant, Jay says you're not a believer in Jesus <laughs> if you don't give us that well, recipe. Read Luke 15 and 16. Well, he's a believer in Jesus. <laughs> Are you going to put your Jesus oh. was his best move, following him and all of his family members, and then along comes that red sauce and then meatballs. And the meatballs. Yeah. Well, I think what it is, Blue wing, uh, it's, teal, it's, the, uh, it's the Luke 16, 15, because he's trying to justify why what he's doing in Louisiana. So if you knew that recipe, I think he thinks, well, they might they just might send me back to New Jersey. Oh, he's down here but because of, of Jesus. And yeah, he, well, he I, know, becoming I was kidding. Aware that he died for his bed. <laughs> so, dad, so J- Zach, Dad just gave you an idea of a new movie idea. I don't know if you heard it. It was subtle. It's we're gonna. You should call it Escape from New Jersey because he said they left in the middle of the night. Like they just got out. They they crawled over fences. They escaped. They went under the wall and they got his out. Entire and family it. never balked. They all got together and all of them. We baptized all of them. I think people would watch it. You know, there's a big problem in our culture, people leaving the big cities and going to rural areas. Make a movie about yeah. it. But do it That's like right. in the style of... Escape I mean, from New York. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't Yeah. So, so, Dad, speaking of Jersey Joe, before we get to our text, he is doing his first wedding uh, this weekend. His yeah, daughter has asked... He went to the courthouse and got his papers, you know, that he was... Yeah sanctioned so he he could marry people. Right. So he and I sat down and had a little session about um, stuff to do at marriages uh, or weddings. And so he, he's ready. He's ready to go. Well, but the, I'm super proud of Joe. The he's, standard, he's in, yeah, the standard of uh, getting ordained, must they must have lowered the bar. I mean, <laughs> is it a if you're a fireman and you're a believer – you're qualified. No, you know, I thought it's worse to... than that, Jace. You just got to sign a book. That's it. You don't have to prove anything. In Louisiana, you just sign a book. That's it. Yeah, it's a low bar. So we're at, we are in we're in Luke 16, and we had left off. We had read the text in Luke um, 16 14 through 18, and it was kind of that. Uh, aha moment for the Pharisees when Jesus gives a parable about loving money or loving God. And the Pharisees all of a sudden said, wait a minute, is he talking about us? And so he gives them a a little bit of a a, a direct tap on what they've been doing. And and the way I framed it last time on the podcast, we talked about a little bit in overtime as well, was that they had disregarded the error of the law and the prophets because what he's basically saying is, look, the law has always been there. It's always been good, but you guys have never really followed it. You say you do, but you don't. And then they've also disregarded this new idea uh, from their perspective that all the law and prophets have been pointing to Jesus. And so, cause he brings that up. He says, now, you know, ever since up to John, we had the law and the prophets. Now John's come. We're talking about this kingdom of which I am the king, but you're rejecting that as well. And so he uses as his illustration their approach to marriage and divorce and even remarriage. And so he brings this up. And so in the overtime, we talked about that a little bit 
on why that is that he brought up this idea. And Jay, you mentioned you or I one mentioned that what they were doing was they were just I call it serial divorce. And like there were two schools of thought. Uh, one is called the House of Shammai. The other was the House of Hillel. In the House of Shammai, and these are these are like uh, teachers of the law. And this was probably maybe, I don't know, a few decades before Jesus showed up. And so they had well, these two schools of, of thought. One of them died uh, right about when Jesus got here, I think. So it wasn't right. like it was too far. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was pretty fresh. And so one of them, this, uh, the Shammai guy, his was only marital unfaithfulness, which we read in Matthew chapter 5. In other words, you just couldn't divorce women willy-nilly and just whenever you got tired of them because, you know, they went back to the law and it says, you know, in Deuteronomy 24. And so, but it was clear that when they were doing something that displeases you was what the way the Pharisees had framed it, they were divorcing them for any reason. It was like, well, she doesn't look good enough, whatever. Uh, We didn't really collaborate on what we were going to talk about. And y'all set up the context of this, which was, if you didn't listen to the last podcast, that they were having one view about money that was obviously wrong because they were putting their security in that instead of the true God. But then they were taking the law and applying it to almost an oppressive viewpoint. And then this one matter, they were not doing that. And so Jesus knew their heart. That that was kind of the context. But since Correct. we're... Since we're here, what's amazing is Al bringing up Deuteronomy 24 and these two schools of thought came from a sermon I heard Sunday. I heard the the preacher's name is Darren Whitehead, and actually my daughter was at, is it Church of the City or Church in the City in Nashville? One of those two. Church yeah. of the City. In Franklin. Yeah. I've been yeah. there a few times, and my daughter goes there, but she actually sent this sermon to my wife because it was on marriage and divorce. And I haven't listened to the whole thing, but I listened to the first 30 minutes of it. And it's exactly what Al was going through. These two schools of thought, the Pharisees are using the two schools of thought when you're at the Matthew 5 text, and we're going to read the Matthew 19 also. Yep. They were using that as a trap to see which side that Jesus would would go with and and there you know it's it's common legal arguing or politics to try to get someone in the box and then see how we're going to attack him but he read this Deuteronomy 24 and before Zach commented I actually wanted to read this because he made a a fantastic point in that sermon just by reading this and seeing how this argument would come forth because listen to how confusing this is from deuteronomy 24 al mentioned it but i just want to read it so this is we're going back to the old law and it says verse one hang on hang on jace before you do that let's take a break well jace you notice there's a lot of songs out there about the heart but not many songs about the liver yeah i've noticed that that that, uh, what what can we do about that Liver needs some love. Uh, and one of the reasons why is because the latest data from the American Heart Association indicates that adults with fatty liver were three and a half times more likely to have heart failure than those without. 
And uh, the American Liver Foundation says that's 100 million Americans. So obviously this is really a difficult thing that have this fatty liver, uh, which puts a lot of people at risk. Uh, a lot's thrown at your liver, cholesterol, alcohol, toxins, Tylenol, statins, cigarettes. All these things uh, mean that you need a healthy liver, uh, which is also going to help you lose weight uh, and gain some energy. So we want to help you do that because I had some high liver enzymes myself. And so I began taking uh, this product that uh, sponsors our podcast called Liver Health Formula. And so they have 12 clinically proven botanicals. They help recharge and protect your liver. It's all natural supplement manufactured right here in the U.S. of A., approved by American doctors. So if you're looking to ignite your fat-burning metabolism, boost your energy, and transform how you look and feel, try Liver Health Formula. You're going to receive a free bottle of blood sugar formula to reduce sugar cravings when you order today. Try Liver Health Formula by going to getliverhelp.com slash unashamed and to claim your free bonus gift. That's getliverhelp.com slash unashamed. Deuteronomy 24, verse 1, under miscellaneous laws. If a man marries a woman who becomes displeasing to him because he finds something indecent about her, and he actually quoted the Hebrew phrase for that, which was kind of a caption phrase. He made an illustration like, it would be like us saying about the abortion issue if you just said something like, Roe versus Wade. Well, we would all know that there's two schools of thought there and without going any further. And so, but for us to kind of try to wrap our head around that, what does it mean when he finds something indecent about her? Because where's the line here? And so two schools of thought develop. One camp said, well, that's if she commits sexually immorality you know, she's sexually immoral or, you know, commits adultery. Well, the other count is pretty much anything. If she burns the bread, that's indecent and I can put her away. So that was the two schools of thought. You had one that was kind of conservative, which is adultery. The other, anything that you determine. So then it says, uh, so if a man marries a woman, who becomes displeasing to him because he finds something indecent about her, and he writes her a certificate of divorce, gives it to her, and sends her from his house, and and if after she leaves his house she becomes the wife of another man, and her second husband dislikes her and writes her a certificate of divorce, gives it to her, and sends her from his house, or if he dies... Then her first husband, who divorced her, is not allowed to marry her again after she has been defiled. That would be detestable in the eyes of the Lord. Do not bring sin upon the land the Lord your God has given you as an inheritance. So you're like, wait, what? (laughs) And he made a joke, which was one of the few jokes he made, but he said, I'm pretty sure that this text was the basis for the Jerry Springer show. (laughs) because it does there's a lot in there that seems very confusing and so fast forward to matthew 19 and when when 
because Jesus brings this up, and I don't think we read that on the last. But we need to. So I want to read it. Verse 1, when Jesus had finished saying these things, he left Galilee, this is Matthew 19, 1, and went into the region of Judea to the other side of the Jordan. Large crowds followed him, and he healed them there. Some Pharisees came to him to test him. They asked, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? Well, now we know where they got this question. The the two schools of thought, that's right. Because De- yeah. Deuteronomy 24 is like, what was it? that was indecent about her, and can we get a divorce here for any reason? Uh, so they asked that question, and Jesus said, haven't you read? Now, this is very profound, and this is really mm-hmm. what this preacher zeroed in on and what we're going to zero in on was Jesus' response. He replied that at the beginning, the Creator made them male and female and said, For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one. Here's the next profound statement. Therefore, what God has joined together, let man not separate. Why then, they asked, did Moses command that a man give his wife a certificate of divorce and send her away? Jesus replied, this is a very good answer. Moses permitted you to divorce your wives because your hearts were hard. Well, now we have a common theme to where we're at in Luke 16. Because he had just said, you're trying to justify yourselves, but I know your hearts. And so then he says... But it was not this way from the beginning, which he goes back to his same principle in the garden. I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality, and marries another woman, commits adultery. The disciples said to him, if this is the situation between a husband and wife, it is better not to marry. And really, the disciples' response gives you Jesus' answer, because everybody under the sun, and scholars disagree on some versions say, except for marital unfaithfulness, some say different things than that, some say adultery, some say sexual immorality, you know. So, but they seem to say, well, wait a minute, he's taking the side of this conservative that you can only get a divorce over a sexual sin, you know, with someone else, adultery. And Jesus replied, not every man can accept the word, but only those to whom it has been given. And then he says, for some are eunuchs because they were born that way. Others were made that way by men, and others have renounced marriage because of the kingdom of heaven. The one who can accept this should accept it. So I know that was a long thing, but I felt like we should read this before we continue. Well, maybe, and, and I would I would argue that, you know, <clears throat> we grew, I will, I'll say this, we grew up being taught that a lot of these passages were um, instructions for marriage. And, I, and I'm not saying that you can't take instruction from this, but I don't, I think there's a bigger context here. And if you hone down on these passages as purely these prescriptive passages that give us instructions about marriage, and you're not seeing the big kingdom vision that's that he's really trying to build here, which is essentially, but you said it, I mean, it's about the heart. That, well, that's what he says. The reason why Moses permitted it was because of your hard heart. 
and not everybody can hear this and see this. I think that, that last passage, that, that last part you read is kind of the same thing when it says you can't, like an unspiritual mind can't see spiritual things. And so Jesus is giving us um, a picture of the kingdom. But what happens is when you hone in on it and you're trying to view this as more just a legal code or a law, you're you're reading it. I think you're reading it wrong. And it leads to things like in the church that we grew up in, you know, it's a big debate back, you know, really before kind of I was paying attention, but my dad told me stories about it, that you would have couples that were being encouraged that were divorced and remarried that then were being encouraged to go back and divorce their current spouse and go back to their first spouse, which just caused all kinds of issues. And it was a big debate many, many years in the church over divorce and remarriage and all this stuff. But one of the passages that really helps me understand kind of God's who, what God recognizes as, as a marriage is in um, the woman at the well, you know, uh, I want to read this cause I think it's important for those of you out here who may read this passage and maybe you are divorced and remarried. And you're like, what does that mean for me? I think this is important because this, like Jesus recognizes this woman's um, spouse, but listen to what he says here. Um, he tells her about the living water. He says, this is in John four and whoever drinks this water, he says, give me some of that water. So I'll never thirst again and not have to come here to draw water. And by the way, the context of all this is Jesus, again, is explaining the kingdom. Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. So he recognized that she had a husband, but the woman answered him, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you are right in saying you have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one that you have now is not your husband. So she's just living with this guy, and he's not even her husband. What you have said is true. And then the woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. And they go in this whole thing about where does worship take place. But man, notice that Jesus recognized that this woman had had five husbands. And and it wasn't just about whoever she was living with and, and, and whatever kind of relationship with, because he also makes a distinction between the five husbands that she had and the one that she's living with now was not her husband. So Jesus right. recognized, obviously, if, she, if he recognized that she had five husbands, this is not, you can be, you can be remarried. Now, divorce is, is a sin outside of the parameters that we talked about in Scripture here, but but being married is not. And I think that that's, that's a burden that the church has unnecessarily put on people um, that I think is important for us to, to, to uh, point out. So we're in that fall season. Um, start thinking about maybe some uh, cooler weather, some football weather, and some hunting weather, Jace, because uh, fall means hunting uh, for us. It means uh, duck hunting. It means deer hunting. It means being out in the great outdoors. And that also means that we have to make sure that our guns are up and ready for the task ahead, whatever we have, whatever we're hunting. And uh, one of our sponsors and also good friends is a group called Barrel Buddy. They are our buddies. Uh, They've come up with a product uh, that helps you make sure that your gun barrel is clean that you get everything out of there, all the residue, everything that gets left over, maybe some mud if you're out in the you know rain and mud and bad weather. Uh, and like us, they're a small company that started out with an idea and are now trying to get larger. And uh, we appreciate their Christian values. Uh, they're men and women of God, which we love that about them as well. So we'd love for you to support these guys. Uh, Got to keep those guns clean, whether you're just a gun enthusiast and like to shoot or whether you like to hunt. Uh, check out their product. Uh, to be efficient and uh, also to be safe. It's barrelbuddy.com, B-A-R-R-E-L buddy.com.
Bluehost.com. No, you're right, but you kind of jumped ahead to the practical illustration, you know, of, what, well, what does that mean today? And, and I agree with your assessments. I mean, you could even bring in the John 8, the woman who was actually caught in the act of adultery. And, you know, and you remember that famous story, which Jesus yeah. came to bring forgiveness. And there's no unforgivable sin outside of the, you know, doing something in the demon possession world and calling it by the Spirit of God. We, we're familiar with that text. And we're not the marriage police. I mean, we're ambassadors of Jesus, right? But what yeah. I wanted to say is, I think the important place of where we should start and where Darren Whitehead start started in his sermon, which I think was right, is that Jesus did define marriage here, and and it is the standard. And it went back. He went back to the very creation of Adam and Eve, and so that's right. The points that he made, and he quoted one of my favorite authors, Tim Keller, uh, in his sermon, which was, which I think he's right on. But the first thing he said there in Matthew 19 was this was designed by God. And uh, just to use a practical illustration of that, whatever, you know, we, we view on marriage, we didn't come up with it. This, as Bible believers and trusters of God, this was his invention and his design, and with any creation, it only functions properly when you're doing it as it was designed to do. Yeah. And yeah. so the essence of it was this male, he made them male and female, and he made a point to say that. He said, for this reason, what, what reason? The fact that he created them male and, and female. I mean, that's what he said. He defined marriage as his creation and his invention, is, which is how we had the earth populated. I mean, we all under, understand Let that. Let me add this. Let me add this. Because what the disciples are saying here when he gives this picture of marriage, which I think they were not correct in saying what they said, when they said, if this is such a case of man and his, with his wife, it's better not to marry you think about that's not true though because what is what is what does god himself say this is it's not good for man to be alone it's not good for man to be alone and when all that existed was god in relationship vertically with or downward towards man and there's a relationship there god's in that moment god said "Eh, it's not quite ready because it's not good for man to be alone and and it wasn't until god created male and female he created them in the image of god he looked back and he said, it's very good. So well, there, it, it yeah. is good that, that marriage is, it is a great thing that God wants us to do. Oh, well, I would say it's, right. it's very good. But the reason the disciples responded that way, which is why this is such a controversial text, and it, it's a hard teaching because the Pharisees were crafting an argument about when the one becomes two, and Jesus's answer was, yeah, but the two become one and what god has joined together let not man separate i mean not only did he draw a line he said this is what marriage was intended to be now we're all we can't help but go to those situations when what happens when the one is now going to become two again which is fine and and zach did a good job of explaining that there is grace and it comes down to your heart, and you're not going to hoodwink 
God. I mean, he knows your heart. And, you know, I've had people bring up Jeremiah 3, where it said basically God divorced Israel as his nation because they turned their back on him. And they're like, well, God's a divorcee. And look, it's a it's a valid point for what happened. But well, there was adultery too, though. I mean, he there, divorced there, there Israel, was adultery. But but then they make adultery. the point, well, what there well, that adultery included all kind. It gets back to the same argument. What can I do? And and instead of looking at it from a legal perspective, I think the second point of what God through Jesus explained here is that this is a covenant. It's not just a contract. Because yeah, that's, that's, that's it. That's key. Well, it is. It, you know, it is. You should sign the contract because it is a commitment. But this is a covenant. It, it said what God has joined together. There, there's a covenant you make with God, whether you're recognizing God or not. He's recognizing that covenant because we go back to the beginning of how all this started. And we, we just read how it got started that at the beginning, the creator made them male and female. And despite what our culture says about that, this is God's design. And a practical 100%. illustration of that is if you buy a gun, you have to conform with what the design was intended to do. If you don't, you're probably going to wind up with a bullet in you. You know, it's designed to be pointed with the muzzle the other way. And you're like, well, I'm just not going to. I'm not going to adhere to that. I'm not going to use it for what it was designed for, which is, I think that's, if you want to know, like, why is the culture so bent on this gender ideology stuff? It's because it, it really does go to the core of humanity. It goes to the core of, here's a word, of our teleology. It goes to the core of how we were designed. It goes to the, like, that, like when you look at what marriage is and you think, man, you have one person, you have another person that are becoming one being and you say, man, what is? Where have I seen that before? Well, that that is the. It's a reflection of the triune God. It's a reflection. Marriage is. I mean, Paul says this in Ephesians five. It's it's a picture of of who God is. It's a tangible way for us to experience who God is. And and when you start to contemplate who the Godhead is of a Father, unadulterated has an unadulterated love for the Son. And the son has unadulterated love for the father and the love between them is the, is the Holy spirit. And there's not the potential. They, it's not, not, it's not even possible for them to abuse one another, to use one another. And then you get this picture of what's happening here. And you're like, and these, these guys were using these women. I mean, they were disposing of them in the, the most transactional way that you're, you, you, you think about what was going on here. Man, that is not, what God had designed for marriage, it, it it lacks wholeness, it lacks oneness, it lacks self-sacrifice, it lacks intimacy, it's transactional. And and that is not the picture of what God intended clearly when you read the first two chapters of Genesis. And that's why I think Jesus is going back to, to, to the first two chapters of Genesis, first three chapters even, and he's showing, now this is the intention, now you're operating inside the fall, 
But that's not that was never what God intended. The only reason why Moses did that because your hearts yeah. are hard and, and you've missed the whole thing. And you know he actually I mean? gave this formula in Luke sixteen thirteen when he was talking about money. When he said, "No servant can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other." Well, when you're devoted yeah. to God, will you despise divorce? When you're you devoted to God, you despise the things that break down the family. It, it, yep. it all goes hand in hand. When you love money, you despise God. And what happens? You despise sometimes women. And that's obviously what they were doing. They didn't care about these women. I mean, you, go back as a general rule. They were yeah. just marrying one right after the other for a variety of reasons. But if, if you have any reason to get divorced, well, you're not going to be married long. I looked up teleology. It is the, because he dropped a big word, Jay. Oh, uh, what, what was the word, Al? Teleology. Hold on. And he, when he said, say it again, Zach, can you pronounce it? I think, I, did I say telos or teleology? Teleology is what you said. And I've looked it up. All right, Al, before you read that, let me give a moment of what that means when I hear teleology. <laughs> 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 he got to use his new toy. Oh, Teleology it. is two Greek words together, telos and logos, the end, purpose, or goal, and explanation without reason. So the definition is an explanation of something that refers to its end, purpose, or goal. And then they use a kitchen knife as their illustration. In other words, what's the purpose of a kitchen knife? Which kind of, it, it does apply to what y'all were talking about. But I just wanted to drop it, well, that in. I, well, because I think so often when we talk about sexuality in, in the church and, and, and as cultural commentators and whatever, and you talk about sexuality, you talk about gender, you talk about all these things. A lot of times we talk about it in terms of, of values. And I, I always I don't know that that never sits well with me because it sounds so like so subjective, like our Christian values. Like, like, what does that even mean? This isn't about what I value. This is about what is reality and what and what is God designed and what is the intention and the purpose of his design. So I I think the way that we're going to have to present the conversation when it comes to because this is this is the conversation of our lifetime. And and what we're going to have to do is we're going to have to go back and say, what was God's purpose? In, in in the institution of marriage, what was God's what 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 was why why would He do it the way He did it? And and I think He tells us throughout Scripture, and part of that is what He said, what we just mentioned that He looks at man, and you think, well, man, all I need is God. That's just me and God. Well, God, when all that existed was God and man, God said, it's not good that man should be alone. So our creation, part of what it means to be a human is that means that we are in relationship and the apex and the and the core of of human flourishment in relationship not not everybody has to get married i'm not saying that but but it is a key part i mean it kind of is super important you know for the for for the fruition of of, of procreation and all kinds of things but i think all of that is pointing back to this bigger picture of who is god who is god and then when we start to examine who he is who are we in him and marriage is just a great it can be a great way for us to see him. It can also be a, a, a great way for us to see, to not see him if we don't understand what Jesus it is. didn't marry, neither did the apostle Paul and others. So that's right. 
Well, I don't. You believe, don't have to get yeah, married. I don't believe don't. Jesus married just because of the spiritual symbolic way of him being married to the bride of Christ. Yeah, yeah, married to the yeah. church, which which I believe that in a in a spiritual way. But the some bi- are born that way. Some are eunuchs because they've been born that way. Some are because they were made that way by men, castration. And then there's the one that's that uh, he's done it because of the kingdom of God. Well, exactly. And look, there are some cases where people, because they know their heart and they know God knows their heart, they have they, they renounce marriage for the kingdom of God. And look, more power to them. But I think where the debate in the culture happens when, when Zach went to how does this apply in our life, I agree 100%. God sent Jesus to die for the sins of the world, whether it be adultery or divorce or whatever, and things get complicated, but we're not the marriage police. We're distributors of God's grace through Jesus in our message. Yep. I think the debate in the culture is more of how we treat people. And the very fact that the previous chapter in Luke 15, that he was sitting there eating with tax collectors and sinners, shows you that you have different conversations with people that are in Jesus and dip, and different conversations with those that are outside of Jesus. And you get into that, where is it, 1 Corinthians 5 or 2 Corinthians 5. And so we treat all people with love and respect as human beings, and we introduce Jesus to them. Only Jesus can change the heart. Only he can get people to realize the true definition of marriage. We're like, that's what he says. Now you have that information, and we've introduced you to this person and it's up to them to surrender or fight. But at the same time, we can't go around as legalistic people policing all these situations because you're never going to figure them all out. You and, have to leave room for God. But, he's the, but, he's the judge, it, not us. It, exactly. But you can't. But 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 we can present a vision of the kingdom, and we can present a vision of marriage that is beautiful. Exactly. Then, like like in Malachi, when um, he's addressing he's addressing this topic of marriage and or the divorce, I'm trying to find it. He says the Lord. It's in Malachi too. Yeah, he and said he hates actually, divorce. And, and, he hates divorce, but but why? He says because and I don't. Have, I'm trying to find it, but I, I he wants I, I, he wants godly offspring. Is what he, he says. says. Here's what he says. It is because the Lord is acting as the witness between you and the wife of your youth. So he's going back to the original principle, Malachi, because you have broken faith with her, though she is your partner, the wife of your marriage covenant. So, and then he says later, verse 16, that God hates divorce. And the reason why why is because of the principle. Yeah, which is why he's bringing it up in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5. Look, Look at any culture, when you have the breakdown of the family, when you have absentee fathers in the home, what happens? Yeah. We we lose our kids. Trouble. They're grown up by the world and we wonder what happened yeah we we have a fatherless culture and then we we wonder what's going on but here so take think about this picture of of who god is and by the way this is this is a great book to read on that called delighting in the trinity but um i just had it right there on my desk but he talks about this a lot but think about god our god creates humanity out of an overflow of his love for himself meaning father son spirit loving each other so powerfully that that love it spills out into more life us and in the same way think about 
the, the, the marriage union, that it is a man and a woman coming together and the love between them, literally physical, the climax of physical intimacy itself results in the reproduction of the overflow of life itself. I mean, you see it right here in, in, in Malachi. He's painting that picture of kind of why God instituted this, what he loves about it, and what he hates about divorce is that it it blocks that, it harms that, it it it, it is it is detrimental to human flourishing. And we act like this isn't true, but I have another book back on my shelf called, uh, it's an old book, it's called Life Without Father. I mean, you look at the statistics. You break up the family, and poverty rates are astronomically higher. Thomas Sowell writes about this as well um, in, in, in several of his books on economics. But it's it's it, poverty, uh, incarceration rates, suicide rates, drug addiction. I mean, everything that you want to avoid in life. If you say, "Man, how can I how can I guarantee that my kids will be more likely to do that?" Then you get divorced, and that's and then you're and then the offspring are more likely to do all of those things. And so I. I we ignore this. We, we want to pretend like it's not there. But I mean, God's way, God's tell us, God's end and purpose and design for marriage, beyond the fact that it, it, it reflects him, it works. It actually yeah. works. Yep. And yep. it's awesome. Which yeah. becomes this whole point. All right, we're out of time. Uh, we'll uh, discuss this a little bit more in our overtime segment. If you want to join us, uh, blazetv.com slash unashamed. Thanks for listening to the Unashamed Podcast. Help us out by rating us on iTunes. And don't miss an episode by subscribing on YouTube. And be sure to click that little bell to get notified about new episodes. And for even more content that you won't get anywhere else, subscribe to Blaze TV at blazetv.com slash unashamed.